Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. That's right. I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. And we have a let's say live. Live, live. SBMW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we met someone here and it's a very interesting conversation that I tell you when you listen to this. You'll learn instantly the whole conversation. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to give away, but this is something I think you should really keep yeah. ears open to. Yeah. Today we have Rick Timms, Dr. Rick Timms. He is a long range financial planner, uh, financial advisor, and has been in the education industry for a long time. Has done everything from teaching to assistant superintendent to superintendent. And, you know, he'll dive into his background. But we sit down with him today to talk about the New York State funding model known as Foundation Aid. And we're at a very pivotal time of how this funding model operates and how districts are going to benefit from it or possibly not benefit from how the foundation uh, model is run. So he dives into that with us and it's just a fascinating conversation. And, you know, it's really, I think, shows that we need to look at these funding models a little bit more comprehensively and, you know, update them with with data that makes sense. So uh, we hope you enjoy our conversation today with uh, Dr. Rick Timms. Today in the podcast, we have Rick Timms of RG Timms Incorporated. Rick, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Rick, yeah. how are you? I'm doing great. You enjoying the conference? Love it. Yeah, this yeah. For those awesome. who don't know, we're at SBMW uh, in Saratoga, New That's York. Right. So, yeah. um, but we wanted to take an opportunity to to bring Rick on because he is the foundation aid savant, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were hoping we could, you know, maybe give us a little bit of background mm-hmm. on yourself, and then we'll jump into the the state aid formula in New York. All right, sure. Uh, <clears throat> right now, I'm obviously the president and CEO of RG Tims Incorporated. We're municipal advisors, but prior to that, I was a district superintendent of. Uh, Fifth largest BOCES in the state of New York, Erie to Chautauqua, Cataraugus BOCES, big long name. Yeah. Wow. So 27 <laughs> districts was great. Before that, I was the superintendent of a large suburban district. Mm-hmm. Before that, a superintendent of a more rural, small district. Served as an assistant superintendent, principal, teacher. So I've run the entire game. Yeah. And, You've seen it all, done it all. I've seen it all. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're famous for your uh, financial advising and and really your in-depth knowledge of the foundation aid formula but before we get into just some questions about the foundation aid formula could you, for our listeners who aren't in new york could you maybe just give a 101 on foundation aid sure uh for a number of years, we had what we called operating aid. It was actually sent to districts, and there were a lot of issues mm. with it in terms of whether or not it was actually a pr- proper formula to take care of the demographics of a community, demographics of the school district, the kids that they serve, uh, the level of support the state was providing. And in 2006-07, they actually created something known as the foundation aid formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had I had been a uh, <clears throat> member of a group called Statewide School Finance Consortium. Mm-hmm. We okay. spearheaded a lot of the research into this. Mm-hmm. The basic model was to do this, provide the major operating aid for all school districts based on a number of factors, one, and a certain amount per child. And that was based okay. on what they call a successful schools model. In other words, how much are successful schools spending per child? Okay. To give them a good education. And what was that measure of success? Just curious. Well, basically, it was, that could it was be a very lot subjective. of test scores. It was yeah. a lot of test scores. Yeah, yeah that's how it <clears> a lot of yeah. test scores. So really, what they were looking at, you know, uh, eighty to eighty-five percentile uh, mm-hmm. scores. Got it. And uh, they tried to find uh, basically schools of all different types and demographics to make sure they got the metrics right. And actually, it was a pretty good study. Okay. But the problem was the study revealed that it probably the number was probably in the over ten thousand, twelve thousand dollar amount. Mm-hmm. And so what they started 
started thinking about is, wait a minute, if we're looking at a successful schools model, maybe we ought to pull that number back a bit because we've included operation to maintenance, transportation, all these mm-hmm. other types of right. things. Let's just focus in on the educational structure. And they, they basically settled in at a, at a number around $5,600, somewhere in that area. Okay. So this is what they called the foundation amount. So you would start there. Just kind of your base amount. Yep. Base amount Everybody, per child, yeah. that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then people like me started saying, well, wait a minute. We've got different demographics. We have kids with yeah. different special needs. We have kids who are in free and reduced lunch programs. We have census issues where mm-hmm. we have our higher uh, concert, concentrations of poverty in our communities, whether it's rural or urban, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, we have density issues whereby rural districts in particular, they're, they're so sparse in terms of they have large districts, Certainly. but small, small, relatively small number of kids. So that presents a whole bunch of issues. So we started thinking, well, there's got to be different ways to measure a child. So what we did mm-hmm. is started coming up with what we call a weighting system. Okay. So one example would be students with special needs in a regular program, just to keep it simple, would not be counted as one child. They'd be counted as 1.41 children. Okay, well, so you're getting sense. a little extra. Okay, right. And then what we do is we start saying, okay, this community has a certain amount of poverty, so many kids in free and reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. We said, well, gee, do you want to use a, every year a single metric? No, nah, maybe we better average it. So okay. they came up with a three-year average. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, free and reduced lunch required applications by people and so on to get into the program. And we found it very scant in high school, so they kept it to K-3. Okay, oh, so we started zeroing in Very on nice. the numbers. Yeah. There were other things. Then cool. People from, say, certain parts of the state where expenses were relatively high compared to other parts were saying, right. mm-hmm. we've got a cost of living issue here. I mean, you know, our salaries are higher. I mean, it costs more even to get a plumber, for heaven's sake, or to buy a house. Mm-hmm. So they, we actually created what we call the regional cost index. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they took a labor market and they basically said, okay, what's the price of labor? But what they did do is they excluded all educators from the analysis. I was going to say, is that a fair representation? No, it's not. Yeah, Matter of yeah. fact, each one of these I'm talking to you about now has some flaws. I mean, right. it's a great start. But that's the other problem with the format. It hasn't been updated since 6 7, 2006 right. 7. That's someone to ask you. I don't know to interrupt you, but yeah. um, because I've done doctoral studies in the past. And they talked about these existential factors. So when you mentioned demographics of community, you're talking about, well, maybe these communities have more wealth, so they have more resources, and that may be the contributing factor to the academic scores. So that's not that's necessarily correct. the best indicator. But when you mentioned how they did the, the 1.4, 1.5, that scale seemed to be a little bit more reflective to help, but then there's so many more pieces, like you said, that's right behind it. You know, it's all a balancing act. So we've got regional cost index to take care of, we'll say, cost of labor issues. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, this free and reduced price lunch section that it takes care of, we'll say, poverty within the school building, shall we say, K-6 in particular. Certainly. That's coming under increased scrutiny because now that we're in something called um, the uh, Comprehensive Eligibility Program, where all the kids get free lunches and, and uh, breakfast in these programs, okay. parents are no longer handing in the forms to create the fripple numbers we call fripple free and reduced price know. lunch. So what's oh. happening? Is that is negatively it, affecting the yes. calculation? Yes, then? yes because exactly. what happens is all of a sudden this district had a number, we'll say 55, 60% free and reduced price lunch. Now they got 20. And that's because there's no incentive they, to apply to for the in. program yeah. because they're in oh. this this uh, this program that gives everybody eligibility. Right. Mm-hmm. So it artificially has lowered that number. I'm sure the demographics haven't changed that significantly. So they're skewing right. the distribution yeah. of the numbers. Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> what we want to do is we want to move off of that 
free and reduced price number, moved to something called direct certification, mm-hmm. oh. which also starts looking at the SNAP program, the, the, the food stamp program, shall we say. Yeah, so yes. we're starting more to look at other types of poverty. What else can mm. we do? What about the heating program? It's not in any of these types mm. of metrics. So then all of a sudden they start saying, yeah, but we'll, we'll use a community measure. We'll call it, we'll use the U.S. Census for heaven's sakes. Mm-hmm. So was, yes, yeah. but they did. But the problem is they haven't updated it since two, the year 2000. It's, it's, right. so it's 22 years old. Yeah. So have you looked at other states at their models like to really formulate a basis yes. to, for this? Because, you know, we're as we're national, we talk to other states and we, mm-hmm. we hear how they have different ways. But that is something I'm curious about. Yeah, we have. We looked at other models. Point. Matter of fact, the feds actually have another model called small area and income poverty estimate. Interesting. A long name. Yeah. We call it SAFE, Small Area and Income Poverty. <laughs> so much stuff. And so many acronyms, right? Oh you know, we can actually advertise and find out what's going on in these districts over a three-year period and average things out for them so it's a better measure of wealth. Okay. The dilemma we've got is all these measures I'm giving you are written into law. That was going to be my question. There's, I'm sure, many great ideas on how we can modify the foundation aid formula, but it must require legislative action, it does. right? It requires a tremendous amount of legislative action. It took us probably 15 years to actually get Foundation Aid formula created. Right. It was miraculous, I must say, at the beginning. There's no doubt about it. Well, when it was first implemented, it seemed like that was the best model that something. we could use. It was. And it, 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 was. Base, it made correct. sense at the time. <clears throat> it was. But, you know, a couple things went off the rails. First of all, that regional cost index has not been updated since 2007, mm. and that's changed. But the weighting is horrific. For instance, in upstate New York, say in the Mohawk Valley, which would be, we'll say, along the thruway up there uh, mm-hmm. near Utica to Albany, mm-hmm. they're ones. They're, everybody, somebody on a scale always has to be a one. Right. So one times any number is the same number. Yeah, Meanwhile, Long Island, New York City are 1.45, 425. So wow. they get a big bump. Right. Yeah. But but the thing is, it's not that they don't deserve it because the cost of living is higher just to keep doing the same things. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we haven't done much with sparsity in years. Uh, for some of the districts that are really very rural, you know, we haven't we haven't provided a lot of things. And of course, I mentioned the free and reduced lunch. The census is mm-hmm. out of date, so there's a whole bunch of factors. And the other thing too is this foundation amount that we start with it per child before we start weighting everybody. That's only basically moved in the last five or six years based on inflation, mm-hmm. and there's Correct. a cap on where that can go. Mm-hmm. But the key thing is, is <clears throat> we start actually when we start looking at children. It's in, interesting in this model. We have an amount per child at the beginning. Then we add to that amount weightedness of, we'll say, students with special needs, uh, students free and reduced price lunch, census data. There's all kinds of data. And so technically you could have, let's make it up, 1,000 kids in your school district. But in state aid parlance, you would have maybe 1,200 kids because of the weighting. Oh, interesting. Now, the dilemma that's starting to occur now, however, is we're starting to lose enrollment across New York. Yes, that is true. And so what happens Mm -hmm. is now we're only losing kids on the front end, but we're losing the weighting, the extra weighting. So now we actually have a bifurcated system in terms of the distribution of the money. There's districts who actually have never received their full foundation aid amount annually at all, Mm -hmm. ever, because Mm -hmm. what happens is the legislature and uh, and the government basically says we're spending X amount. Here's what the distribution is. We don't have enough money to fill it all. So they back into that number rather than letting the formula run in its truest form. So what happens Mm -hmm. is we run the whole formula and they back into another number based on how much they have. Right, which leads me... Yeah, it leads me kind of to where we are now. I mean, I know when the foundation aid formula came out, it was 
I don't know if I would say revolutionary necessarily, but it was a somewhat more equitable model of distribution Certainly, of funds. Easily. Mm-hmm. But then the financial crisis in 2008 hit. There was the whole gap elimination adjustment where it was carving out, you know, state aid. Yeah, the, the way budget. we described it is funny. What we used to say is uh, <laughs> the state, we call it gap elimination adjustment. The state had a gap. They decided to eliminate it by adjusting our aid down. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what they, mm-hmm. they just gave us less money. Right. Now that's that's been eliminated. That's been filled in. Right. Yep. But the problem is we've never gotten to full the funding. Real, yes. Right. The true. The format hasn't. It, it, correct me if I'm misspeaking. It just hasn't run in its truest form and no, how it was originally it intended not, since ever. ever. Yeah. No. That's why we have two two sets of districts. Ones who are underfunded completely still. Mm-hmm. Now there was a recent legislation that said where the governor agreed. We actually had sued the state a number of times, yeah. and uh, the governor said, "Okay, you know what I'm going to do." In two years, I'm going to fully, fully fund found. all the districts yep. that have not been fully funded. Right. But there's another set of districts out there, hundreds of them, mm. that the formula says they should actually get less money. Right. Less and money. they're kind of like a safe, harmless they're, situation. They're, they right? call it safe, harmless. Yeah. Uh, 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 you know, and so mm-hmm. what happens is, but you have a political movement. New York, you know, distribution of funds is actually political. Think about it for a second. That's what yeah. I want. That's it's my not question. Just, yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. just yeah. about yeah. the kids. It's about Correct. the politics. It's about the <laughs> right. money. Right. So uh-huh. <clears throat> what happens is I believe no legislature wants, legislator wants to come back to the home district and say, well, I got to tell you, you've lost so many kids. We're going to cut your, your aid, yeah. considering costs have continued to escalate. Uh, you know, I often use this story as an example. If I came to your district and said at your annual meeting, and you're talking about your budget, your budget's going up. And I wanted to be a real curmudgeon. I'd say, hey, you know, I was looking at your enrollment numbers and you lost you lost 100 kids in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. How much money have you saved? And that's what you'd be met with. <laughs> Silence. Oh, Silence. <laughs> right. yeah. I started laughing. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. And the answer is none. Right. And that's because, first of all, programs are more robust now. Requirements are greater. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's no doubt about it. We've mm-hmm. got kids taking so, coursework probably. When I was in high school, they are taking it in middle school now. So, I mean, right. we've really Actually, ramped up. Plan. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, the cost of educating <laughs> the student <laughs> isn't what it was. Right. Uh, when I had my ago. first three years as a teacher, I was eligible for food stamps. Wow. Because our salaries were so low. I really? Mean, yeah. Well, I was a teacher when the earth was cooling. So <laughs> it was way back. But the key thing is, is that <clears throat> I think the thing is, is everything's ramped up. Now we have behavioral specialists. We have social workers in mm-hmm. school. We've got teacher assistants. Yeah, more We've got really specialists. We have really divided wow, up the so certification areas. Yeah. So everything has become more expensive to run the schools. But what people don't understand is if you lost 100 kids and there's 13 grades, unless all those kids were in eighth grade, you probably couldn't have saved any money. Right. Right, because you still have to have the classes, right. and you're still trying to graduate the kids. So, what's actually happening? These safe, harmless districts. The dilemma is how much do we keep giving them to keep them going? Mm-hmm. Now, some of these okay. districts are into the safe, harmless amount by millions of dollars, though. Really, and for that money to be withdrawn or even frozen might crush the district yes. financially. Mm-hmm. Yes. But what actually happens is the research is pretty clear. Before districts become, say, shall we say, financially insolvent. They sometimes become educationally insolvent. Mm-hmm. So they start cutting back on programs, extra help, things like this, and the kids mm-hmm. struggle just to save money, that type of thing. Yeah. And they cannot compete for employees, things like this. We're seeing a little struggle here now across the whole state trying to get bus drivers. Right. Yep. All right. Same and you know, it's not just inflation, it's the job itself, mm-hmm. it's it's the total cost of things. And so what's happening is Districts are more reliant on this foundation aid. In other words, this big amount of money that comes in. Now, there are other ex- aids called expense-driven aids. Mm-hmm. Yes. What I'm a little afraid of is this. Once the districts, this year and next year, they should be fully funded. Right. After that, hypothetically, I mean, hypothetically, depending on enrollment, most every district in the state will then be safe, harmless. And so yep. that was going to be my next say, question. If you level. could pull your crystal ball out for a moment. When we've been building budgets the past five, six 
or so years, we knew that the foundation aid amount wasn't going to run in its truest form. There's a little bit of horse trading up in Albany, and then, right. but we knew we'd land somewhere in the middle. Now that Governor Hochul has committed to fully funding, and next year all districts should be fully funded that are not, and as you said, those will be, remain in safe, harmless. Has Albany signaled what's going to happen no. next? Do we have any idea of what to expect? We All we know is that by the end of uh, the, this coming year, the 22-23 year, everyone will be fully funded. We don't know how much the Safe Harmless Districts are going to get mm-hmm. at all. Is that written yeah. anywhere in legislation? No, no. no. The Safe Harmless Districts, there's absolutely nothing in legislation on how mm-hmm. much they should get. But, you know, we're in a high inflationary period. Yes. This year they gave 3% <clears throat> to all those districts. Yeah. 3% against 8% inflation is no good, especially competitively. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so, so what, ha- so what happens is, but the state, at the time they passed the budget on March 31st in 22, uh, they actually had projected surpluses every year for the next five years. The latest report, within three years, we're starting to get deficits in the state. I'm calling it, we've had an Oprah moment here. You know, you, you get a car, you get a car. You get a car. So what happens is, you know, it was a very robust state aid program, no doubt about it, to bring these districts up. I mean, some districts are getting an extra $10 million or $5 million or $3 million. Big but, when that, yes. but when that money stops, the big question is, what do they get after that? You could get $10 million increase one year, the next year $300,000 increase. And so how are districts difference. that are seeing these big <clears throat> windfalls, how are you seeing them tackle these issues? Well, where- what they're trying to do is build fund balance and build reserves. Yeah. Now, yeah. the problem we've got is the laws in New York State are very restrictive in, in terms of what yes. you can put in a reserve, how you get it in, yeah. how you get it out. Uh-huh. But there's also something called Real Property Tax Law 1318. And school districts are the only one, that actually I call it suffer under this this this, this uh, law. Mm-hmm. It says that no more than 4% of the next year's expenses can be kept in cash. Right. And now, mm-hmm. municipalities, fire departments, villages, towns, none of them have Unlimited. this restriction, but we Unlimited do. Task yeah. And it's, it's a killer for te- cash flow. It's also a killer for long-range planning. Right. Because yeah, if you absolutely. put money in certain reserves, it's very hard to get them out. It really is. Or it's for you specific have to purposes. overfund them and then you're cited for that by the controller, who's only doing his job, by the way. Right. But the truth of it is the laws are just simply too restrictive for districts to be, shall we say, nimble enough financially to navigate the next three to five years. Right. And so I think what happens is you're in violation of this. You have too much money. People, You have too much money here. You have too much. You may have too much now. It's funny because almost every payday, everybody has too much money for that couple minutes. Right. And then the bills start coming in. Right. Then you got to pay for your existence. So my point would be is that has to be revisited too. Right. So while we're trying to do right by foundation aid in terms of paying people who have not been paid appropriately, Mm -hmm. we have a flawed foundation aid formula. My comment would be, why do we continue to fund a flawed formula? Right. In other words, can't we fix exactly. it? But the yeah. political dynamics are very strong. And you've got upstate, downstate, rural, That's all urban, suburban. You've got all kinds of needs. They want to command more <clears throat> downstate because they have more numbers. They have more enrollment. Yeah. And that's the basis of what I think will happen politically because it's all power in numbers. It seems like. I agree. Well, but the thing is, they have more numbers, but the thing is, they have smaller school districts. So, for instance, I could sit down next to a superintendent colleague and talk about a school district, and he's got 5,000 kids, and he's got a two-square-mile district. Mm-hmm. Everybody can walk to every building in five seconds. Yep. Meanwhile, I could talk to another one that's got 500 kids, and he's got 200 square, square miles, miles he's got to cover, which includes Hilldale Forest, uh, the Great Lakes, the, the uh, Finger Lakes, mm-hmm. Mountains, Hills, I mean, everything else. Right. So all this has to be taken in, into account, and it's very complicated. But there's no doubt, 
can't use a 2000 census in 2022. Mm. We can't use free and reduced price lunch when it's no longer a valid measure. We, we can't use a regional, a regional cost index, index yeah, yeah. that hasn't been updated since 2007. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, is students with special needs in particular. I was not a I was a regular high school teacher, 7th, 10th, and 12th grade, but I had special needs kids in my class. But now with the autism spectrum and all a bunch of issues and all kinds of other mental health issues and so on, we need more help in this arena. We do. And everybody says school's got to do more. Well, the thing is, is they only get partial reimbursements on, a, on these except for where the kids are so, weighted in. Right. And, of course, when you lose enrollment, you know, you could have high-cost kids that are actually need residential or, or tremendous programs. I mean, when I was a superintendent of my BOCES, we actually had like a— a floor of a building filled with kids mm. who are in wheelchairs being fed through tubes with nurses and really? you know it, it, and these kids are profoundly disabled yeah. and and the, the expenses are extremely high but mm-hmm. there's only slight reimbursement what I'm worried about is our new issue that's come up Buses, zero emission buses. Not only are they going to be expensive, but we're going to have to retrofit bus garages. We, we don't they're even know if there's enough grid to charge these buses. So nope. people are saying, well, we're going to have a grant. We're going to give you building aid. We're going to give you transportation aid. But it's still only going to be partially funded. Well, so not only that, but think about it. NYSERDA, we're going to have grants from the energy, the energy people. Yeah. Yeah. We're, going to get, we're going to get a, a bond grant. We're going to get building aid, trans aid. Right? So thing, all this is yep. coming from the same place, the state who is, that is now projecting this deficit out there. Which uh, is right. surprising to me because when it was signaled that foundation aid was going to be fully funded, all these red flags went up and said, how are we going to do this? How are we going to pay for it? And if I remember correctly, the answer was um, – Increased taxes on the wealthier portion of New York, which is a high-tax state already. And um, I believe it was like some kind of sales tax from marijuana legalization or something like that. And sports betting. And sports Sports betting. betting, So so what has happened between then and now with those projections? I remember when the New York State lottery first started, they said the lottery is going to be here to support education. And I was an yeah. assistant superintendent at the time, uh, doing running right. a business office for a school district of about fifteen hundred kids, and so I'm pretty excited about it. You know, I just read about it. Gee, it's going to support education. We're going to get all this lottery mm-hmm. lottery aid. They call it. <laughs> yeah, we so still get it though. Let me make up some numbers just because I can't remember the exact numbers, but just to give you an idea. Say, for instance, in those days, they used to actually send you your state aid check. It would be a check. Uh-huh. Just check in the mail. Stamp, uh-huh. check, and take it <laughs> to the bank. Checks in the mail. Checks right? in the mail, literally. <laughs> so what happened was, all of a sudden, I get this envelope from the state, and I go, rip it open, and it says lottery aid. <laughs> oh, wow. So I look at it, it's like 50000 bucks or whatever it was at the time. can't remember. I thought, wow, this all is right. great. Yeah. Wow. Next day, the op- envelope comes in and says, operating aid. I rip it open, 50000 bucks. I go, wait a minute. Operating used to be 100000 <laughs> so then I started reading further. You know, it was, I was a young whippersnapper, not too yeah. bright, obviously, at the time. And I said, wait a minute, let me look at this over. And so what I found out was when they said the lottery supports education, it became the funding stream for the education. That didn't mean there'd be more aid in education. It. It's oh, the source of funds to fund yes. the education. I see. Wow. So it took, Tricky. It took that, that heavy load off the state. Yeah. So they're selling lottery <laughs> tickets. So that then the state said, well, at least now we don't have to pay that money to Rick's right. school. Right. <laughs> and uh, we could use that money over there. Everybody's buying his dumb lottery. Uh, right, right, right. So oh it was that kind of was that kind of thing. It's the same thing going on. But I, I think the thing is, education has always gotten a bigger part of the pot in the state budget, and there's other parts that are really heavily needed. And I think everybody's crying the blues about it, and no I can understand why. 
But the problem is our mission has now become so much more complicated since COVID in particular. Right. And it's become extremely more expensive. And and people after COVID are no longer, for instance, I had a school district call me up and say, I, think I lost almost all my bus drivers this week. Wow. So what do you mean what happened? Hmm. Well, they're working at Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King. Yeah, yeah you they can't have to compete. deal with the kids. They have to drive in the snow. They don't have to get and a CDL license. Yeah. They don't have to do this. They don't have to do that. They got flexible hours. No no kids hollering. No parents hollering. Yeah, the kids competing against you know, that. So Shunga. they all had to increase their wages to these people. And then what happens is there's a finite group. Many of them are senior citizens who are doing as a part-time job. And they're mm-hmm. thinking, with COVID, I really don't need this. It's a risk. Yeah, so it's not worth it. a portion that, mm-hmm. But foundation aid isn't there. For, it's not catching up. Wow. Right. So is anybody signaling for a change in foundation aid? Is anyone knocking on the doors of legislators yes. to say, we need to make this fundamental change? Well, I'm also yeah, the I'm executive director of the, yeah. of the statewide school finance consortium. So I've met with a number of boards, a number of superintendents, and I've tried to give them talking points, which I could probably get to you if you don't Yeah, like, that'd be great. And about what's wrong with the formula and what some fixes are in terms yeah. of what to do. And, and I think what happens is, and this would be useful regardless of the demographics of the district or where you are or anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'd be glad to forward that to you to, if you want to use it. Yeah. But the key thing is, is I've done millions of meetings with legislators. But to me, I think school boards are really important. Superintendents are important. And business officials are important. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. You know, school board members are elected, so they have kind of a common bond with other elected legislators sure. and so on. <laughs> Superintendents run the district. You know, they're thought of as a leadership role. But business officials, I find, to be very, very underused. They yeah. have the technical expertise to say how this works and how this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And what I think, what I used to do is when I was assistant superintendent and when I became a superintendent, I would attend meetings with my business official and let them speak about this. I would speak about that. But I wouldn't just do it at the board meetings. Band boosters, PTAs, PTOs. Yeah, you know, rely on your subject matter experts. Right. To, and I would mm-hmm. make sure I got to those meetings. I would be down at the American Legion talking to them, for heaven's mm-hmm. sake. You know, I'd be all over the place mm-hmm. doing community groups. I'd talk to the town and the village. Yeah. But the point is, I would bring the business official with me and a board member. Because what happens is that elected official, that leadership role, and the person who has the technical expertise. Yeah, right. Many yeah. superintendents come from usually what they call the instructional side of the house. Right. Correct. Right. And they don't have the financial background. I've done a million workshops helping, and superintendents are amazed at how complicated the finances are. Mm-hmm. Better understand what your business officials are going through. I do a ton of long-range planning in our firm. We're the only finance firm, by the way, in the state of New York that does long-range planning per se. And it, it, I mean, that makes sense. It does. They go hand in hand. Well, the thing is, you know, everybody likes to work on capital projects, run debt service schedules, you know, help you right. out with your forms. But I find a lot of our new clients, they did a great capital project, but they have no money to run the district. Right. And nobody's looking at the total picture. So we do long range planning. And I, when the new superintendent or superintendent says, I don't know a lot about this, I say to the business official, this is not going to be a gotcha moment. I don't believe you're doing anything wrong. I'm going to tell you right now. Right. The big thing is, we call it. LRFA, Long Range Financial Analysis. You can call okay. it a plan if you want, but I ask questions. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing this? I've got a lot of them, they go and bond and band for buses. They get all this cash. Mm-hmm. Much, quit paying me. I'm supposed to be a fiduciary. Stop <laughs> paying me to go do this and use that cash yeah. to do this. Yeah. Okay. Or work your way through the tax cap and things like this. But having the superintendent meeting to better understand the finances of the district is invaluable. Yeah. And in support of the business officials. Sure. Because business officials, by and large, are sitting in an office. It looks like a pay-for shuffle, but it's not. It's extremely complicated. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nuance. A lot There's a lot on. of nuance. Yeah. And you know what? Missteps could be very costly. costly. Yeah. 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 So to me, it's all, hey, we're all part of the same team. 
let's get on the same team. I also do board. You know, I come to a board meeting and I'll yeah. do the report. Does it all. And, and what happens is this business, I, I got to tell you, business officials done a great job. Here's what we got. But here's some suggestions I have that you guys should consider. Yeah. yeah. Because they are the chief operating officers of the district. Yeah, agreed. So okay. I think I think there's a lot to be done. Foundation aid is going to be great until everybody's safe harmless, but it's got to be updated. Okay. And it's got to be recalibrated. Well, Rick, I know uh, we'll, we'll call on you for uh, for advice when yes. we inevitably are all safe, Glad harmless. To help. And, and, uh, yeah, this but, has been great. Yeah, yeah, we really appreciate so you awesome. sitting down with us today. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Rick today. He's just, he knows it all when it comes to state aid. You can tell this man, first of all, he's been in every facet of yeah. school. He's, he can talk the talk because he's walking the walk. Business, all the workshops he does, his wealth of knowledge um, with his financial plan analysis, mm-hmm. uh, long range. I mean, but just to hear me, back in the days, this is what I like about this the most. How things were first created, foundation yeah. aid, the different pieces, how, you know. You can learn so much from the history. The nuance and how it's, it's now really needs to be revamped, right? Mm-hmm. And it's evolution. And I mean, the lottery aid, that was a funny Yeah, I had no there, idea right? that that was just kind of, you know, kind but of a show that's, game. That's his experience, knowing yeah. that all through the years and knowing moving forward so on. Because we just got, I mean, for me, you, you just kind of take it for granted. You see it, you're just, that's yes. what we've known ever since we became business officials. But to get the history, I mean, that's this is so the, interesting. This is nuts and bolts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. more than that. So uh, we really appreciate Rick coming on. And it's a great episode. So yeah, yeah. I hope you all enjoy it. And uh, each week we're here. Yeah, we'll see you next week.